And we're going to press into the rest of what the Lord has for us here this morning. Um, Perhaps. Perhaps. You never believe what I lost again. Oh, there it is. (laughs) Sorry. Yes. So we know that this year is going to be a year of revelation. We learned last week that it's the presence of God through the Holy Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit that releases revelation. You know, it's, it's, it's such a simple kind of, if we're looking for formulas, which the kingdom's not about, but if we're looking for one, it's that, that formula that we have the mind of Christ. We have the mind of Christ. Not because we are anything, not because our thoughts are his thoughts, our ways are his ways. We have the mind of Christ because of the Holy Spirit within us. Remember, Romans 8 teaches us that who knows the mind except for the Spirit within us? And so who knows the mind of God? Who has the thoughts of God except for the Holy Spirit? And who knows our thoughts except for our spirit? And now the Holy Spirit is well within us. And so we have the mind of Christ. We can know the thoughts of God. And so um, you know, we, we learned about how important it is to pray in the Spirit. The Spirit helps us in our weakness. We don't know what we ought to pray for. And some translations say we don't know how we ought to pray. So the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. He who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the, the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. Why do we struggle to try to discern the will of God? Why not just pray in the Spirit? The Spirit knows the will of God. The Spirit knows your heart, knows your mind, knows his heart, knows his mind, and just perfectly intercedes. We cannot underestimate and undervalue praying in the Spirit. I mean, this simple verse that, that, that Paul wrote that gives us this revelation, it's powerful, powerful. We don't know what we ought to pray or how we ought to pray, so we just pray in the Spirit, and the, the Spirit just perfectly intercedes for us. Like Paul said to the church in Corinth, he, he, we, we also strongly encourage everyone to pray in the Spirit, to sing in the Spirit, to walk in the Spirit, to learn from the Spirit, to be led by the Spirit in every aspect of life. However, the Spirit does more than just intercede for us in prayer through unintelligible sounds that, that we can't understand. Remember, we learned about that last week. We, we don't understand what we're saying. We don't understand what we're praying The Holy Spirit also brings us knowledge and wisdom and a degree of understanding that we could never obtain on our own. Next time you're struggling with schoolwork or if you're at the workplace and you're just, I I just can't get this. I can't understand it. Let the spirit of understanding, let the spirit of truth help you to understand I can't tell you how many times in my workplace, um, my, my previous workplace, I was leading this company and it was just, we ran into so many scenarios that were so difficult, we didn't know what to do. And I'm just there, not audibly, but I'm praying in the spirit, in my spirit. And then God would be like, boom. And I'd be like, what about this? And there's the solution. How many times? God cares about every aspect of your life. Every aspect of your life. Lean on the Spirit, not your own understanding. He can bring understanding, not only of spiritual things, but even of the natural world around us, because to him it's all spiritual. He created it all. 
He can also bring a greater level of understanding in our relationship with others. God is constantly speaking and pouring out his revelation. In fact, several places in the scriptures, it says that the, the heavens declare his glory. They're bringing revelation. Paul talked in Romans chapter 1 that when we stand before God, no one has an excuse for not worshiping him because you can see everything about God through what was created. The creation is constantly declaring and proclaiming. And if you don't cry out, the rocks will cry out. I mean, they're, they're crying out the glory of God. They're proclaiming his praise. They're bringing revelation. God's voice is constantly speaking and pouring out revelation. The question is, are we listening? Or do we even know how to listen? Do we know how to discern? Are, are we perceiving? You know, because Jesus said that the reason he was successful in ministry wasn't because he heard what the Father was telling him to do, is it? What did Jesus say? He says, because I do what I see the Father doing. We get so tripped up and caught up on hearing the voice of God, but Jesus said, I just do what I see the Father doing. If you remember back in 1 Kings, you know, he, was it Elijah, his servant was all distraught, and Elijah's like, he just laughed. The enemy was about to destroy them. Their lives were about to be taken by their enemy, and Elisha laughed. And he said, Lord, open the eyes of your servant. And all of a sudden, he saw the chariots of fire and everything. He had nothing to fear, because greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world, right? Greater. Greater. There is nothing. I mean, we know, I know we all at times feel overwhelmed, so oppressed, like, and we don't understand what we're going to do or how we're going to move forward. But we need that reminder so that we can rise up. Like I used to, you know, when I was a kid, I watched cartoons and I had, you know, uh, He-Man and Superman. And, you know, they're covered in all these bricks and their enemies laughing. Ha, 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 I won. And then all of a sudden they're just like, boom, they break out of their prison and they win the day. That's what the Lord is waiting on you to do. In fact, in Romans, it actually says that that is what the creation is waiting for the children of God to rise up, waiting for us. Sorry, I'm going on other places. But anyways, Matthew chapter 13, most of us know this, this, this prophecy of Isaiah. Jesus said, thus is fulfilled all around us. Think about what we could miss, be missing. Think about what we're not receiving what transforming life revelation if we're just not listening and hearing because Jesus said those seeing, they don't really see. We see things and we, under, we see what's happening in the world and we see what's happening in our lives, but we're not really seeing. We're, we're seeing one dimensional. We're not seeing that heavenly dimension that's right here among us. Remember Jesus said that whenever people say, uh, you know, where's the kingdom of God? He's like, you don't have to go here or go there. The kingdom's in your midst. We just got to step into that dimension. He said, though seeing, they don't see. Though hearing, they don't hear or understand. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You'll be ever hearing, but never understanding. You'll be ever seeing, but never perceiving. This perception, this understanding, this insight, this hearing, it, it, it's only given through the Spirit of God. We can only receive that insight through the Spirit of God within us. You know, th this thought crossed my mind when we were, we were driving together as a family um, last week. And um, Nate, for those of you who don't know, he's moving into adulthood. He's a senior. Nikki's already leapfrogging him. She's already got her life planned out. But 
I love that. Love that about her. And she's going to grab life by the horns and just, boom, achieve every goal she sets her heart to. I love it. Because my, my personality's right there, you know. Nate's like, oh, no. <laughs> stop talking to me about it. Becky's like, I still don't know what I want to be when I grow up, and she's going to be 40 this year, you know. <laughs> I mean, I just <laughs> But, but I'm on his case, and, and, you know, not only on his case, but I'm starting to share with him, you know, some, just some wisdom about finances, you know, right? We were talking about this. I'm like, dude, what's this charge? Where did it come from? Oh, I don't know. I'm like, talk to the bank again, you know, can't be giving your information out there, and we're going on and on and on. But then I start talking to him about, you know, how you can enjoy life, you know, if you budget and you pay all your bills and then you have money left over and then you can enjoy life and have fun with that. Like we got to get priorities straight. And I'm, I'm going on and on and on and on. And this long pause happens and I'm like, uh, Nate, <laughs> Nate, <laughs> I look back and he's back there with his earbuds in. He's vibing. <laughs> he didn't hear a word I was saying, you know, <laughs> He just going on and on and on. He didn't hear a word that I said. And uh, <laughs> sorry, I'm going to embarrass some of my kiddos this morning. I asked permission, by the way, this time. But, but it made me think. I mean, this really did happen. It happens all the time, actually. But it made me think, how often am I like Nate? God is pouring out the answers to my every need, the revelation to breaking forth and having freedom in every area of life. He's speaking it to me. But uh, here I am, like, you know, looking through Facebook or social media and listening to my music and watching TV, and I got Fox News going. Ask Becky, I never do one thing at the same time. I've always got all these different things happening, you know, and, you know, there, there's a time when I had, you know, I had my, my, my bank work and I'm coding, and I have my church work over here. I'm working on the message on my home computer, and I got the TV going and the news in the background. That's just, that's like normally my life, you know, but how often do I do that? And it's drowning out the voice of God. And then I wonder, God, why can't I hear you? God, what's the answer to this? What am I supposed to do? You know, it's because we're just not understanding. We're not perceiving because we're distracting ourselves from hearing him. How often do we do that in life, right? How often does this happen? God is pouring out that life transforming wisdom right in front of us, but we're just too busy, and we just miss out on it. You know, it, it reminds me, it's like the, um, you know, the old school back whenever I was growing up, you know, yeah, that's us. Um, we, had, we had the bunny ears, you know, and the, the foil on them, and we got like three channels, and you had to turn it a certain way to get Fox, another way to get CBS or whatever, you know, and then my dad invested in this like mechanical turner and an antenna on the TV at one point, you know. It's like those rabbit ears or, you know, every car still has them, AM, FM radios, you know. It, it reminds me of, of sort of that analogy, you know, or more commonly our cell phones. There are these, these waves all around us. The, these transmitters are all over the world. They're transmitting these radio waves. They travel not only all around us, they travel through our buildings, through our homes. They travel through our bodies. In fact, I hear that 6G, they're going to use people's bodies as antennas. It's weird, creepy stuff, but anyways, <laughs> that's another distraction for another time we'll talk about. However, all these waves are happening all over the place. If you don't have the right receiver, and if it's not tuned in to the right frequency, you don't hear it. Right now, everyone's cell phone data is traveling all through your body, but you're not receiving it. Why? Because you need one of these you need the right device, and this device has to have the right SIM card to unlock and give you authorization, to give you authority to receive that data stream, right? 
That's how these networks work. But what my cell phone is doing is it's transmitting all of my private information all over the place. It's, it's happening right here, right now, you know? I mean, it's, 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 it's out there for the whole world to see. And it's a little bit the same as the kingdom of God. With the right device, with the right receiver tuned into the right frequency, you can receive it. You have full access into God's kingdom, into his resources. The Holy Spirit is like that TV or that um, radio or like our cell phone, you know? The Holy Spirit is the person, the device within us, who, who is able to receive the mind of God and able to transmit it to us. But we have to be tuned in to hear the Spirit, to see in the spiritual realms. We have to choose, right? As you can hear, Old Spice was going off all morning. Someone's trying to get a hold of me, and I'm not looking at it because neither neither are at church. And you should be here too, by the way. Um, you know who you are. You want me to read this out? Anyways, just, just church people yelling at me again. I got, anyways, it's a beautiful, glorious thing. Um, however, we can choose, and we have to choose, to be filled with the Spirit the same way that my cell phone needs to be filled with power. I have to charge this thing up or it's no good to me, right? We need to be filled with the Spirit the same way our cell phone needs to be charged. We have to choose to be trained in the Spirit in the same way that we have to learn how to use our cell phone. I remember Becky, she resisted touchscreen for the longest time. She wanted nothing to do with it, you know? We had our old flip phones, and they were perfectly fine, you know? You, you press 9 three times to get to the letter Z, and, you know, it was good. You don't need this touchscreen thing. And when she finally got it, she was always calling people and texting people, you know, because, you know, you had to lock the screen back in the day. And anyways, but we have to be trained in the Spirit in the same way we have to be trained to use our devices, or they're no good to us. We don't understand them, or we'll misuse them, and they'll do things we're not expecting them to do. Um, we, we have to be intentional about being present in the Spirit's presence, in the same way that this thing has to be on me for it to be any good. If I leave my cell phone at work, and so, or at, at work, which it is work at this point, if I leave my cell phone at home... <laughs> and I'm out there, and I break down in the car, and I need help, it does me no good, right? It does me no good if, I'm not, if it, I don't have it present. If we're not present in the Lord's presence, it's the same way as having your cell phone, you know, far away from you. It does you no good at all. If our cell phone battery's dead, or we have no idea how to use it, or we leave it at home, we're missing out on what it offers us. We have authority. We have authorization into the, 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 the kingdom of God, and yet if we don't use it it's of no good to us we it may grant us this thing grants us it's, you know access to a world of knowledge and wisdom and resources it, it can connect us to our loved ones you know but it won't be able to manifest any of those things unless i'm being intentional about it right it's no different with the things of god and before going into more analogies because there's more analogies to come um, we're going to go back to the word of god first samuel chapter 2 if you want to turn there, 1 Samuel chapter 2 and into verse 3. We're going to start out learning how to hear the voice of God, learning how to see what God is doing with one of the greatest men of God who ever led the people of God. He performed all kinds of miracles and, and he spoke often on God's behalf. But before all of these things took place, he didn't know how to recognize God's voice. Much like all of us, we begin where we have no idea how to hear God's voice or to discern it and to realize if we're hearing it, we have no idea. Unlike some of us, however, 
This man grew up in the presence of the Lord, and he was raised serving the Lord. Our kids were kind of spoiled that way. They, they were raised up in the church, right? This is a church boy. This is a PK, a pastor's kid. A priest kid, actually, in his case. But in any case, he was adopted by priest Samuel. Samuel. Long story short, he was adopted by the priest Eli as a toddler. And you can read 1 Samuel chapter 1, verses, uh, chapter 1 and 2 to get a full backstory. Because it's really, really, really awesome stuff. But I'm starting in 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 21. And... Um, um, yeah, I don't know where I'm at here in my slides, but anyways, we'll get there. First um, Samuel chapter 2, verse 21, it says, Meanwhile, the boy Samuel grew up in the presence of the Lord. Skip to verse 26. And the boy Samuel continued to grow in stature and in favor with the Lord and with all of the people. This is the backstory, okay? He's growing up in the presence of God. He has the respect of man, the respect of the Lord. And then we skip to verse uh, chapter 3. In verse 1, it says that the boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. And if you read the historical context, you understand why. God's people were going through the motions. They were doing what God called them to do, but they weren't doing it for the right reasons. They didn't care about God. They are just doing what they had to do, right? Just putting in your time, doing what you're supposed to. It wasn't because the Lord wasn't speaking. It wasn't because God's people weren't going and doing the right things that he instructed them to do. It was because they weren't intentional about seeking him out. Several times in the word of God, God says that we will find him when we seek him. And when we seek him with all of our heart, not with a divided heart, not with a divided attention, when we seek him fully. If you read about Eli's family, their service to the Lord had very selfish motives. And it even resulted in outright sinning while they were serving how can you sin against God while serving God? We'll just read about Eli's sons. He was doing it. Well, they were both doing it. They were serving God, doing what God called them to do, but they were doing it with selfish motives. And they, I mean, they were literally putting themselves first. They're like, okay, God, you get that, and I get the good stuff, you know? And then it's like, hey, what's up, girl? You bring it in your offering. How about I offer you something, huh? And seriously, this was happening. <laughs> just crazy stuff. Taking advantage of God's people. Hmm, but they're still doing what God called them to do. <laughs> you know, they were. They were serving. They were going through the motions. Oh, anyways, I'll continue on. In verse 2, it says, One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, dude was old, going blind, he was lying down in his usual place. But the lamp of God had not yet, not yet gone out yet. Not yet gone out. Okay, anyways, yeah. The, the lamp of God had not yet gone out. So Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord where the ark of God was. These are such simple little pieces of information, but if you read about the Levitical responsibilities of the priesthood, you know, you understand how critically important this was. Eli was falling asleep on the job, but Samuel was there. He was, you know, young and he didn't mind staying up late, so he was serving, waiting for the lamp to go out right there before the ark of God in the presence of God. Powerful. Then the Lord called to Samuel. Samuel answered, here I am. He ran over to Eli and he said, here I am, you called me. 
Eli said, I didn't go. You guys know what it's like as parents when your toddlers and come bouncing in on your bed. Anybody? The grandkids do that. It's like, just go to bed. <laughs> like, seriously. He's like, it wasn't me. I didn't call out to you. Go back and lie down. And I'm sure he didn't say that that kindly, but <laughs> so he went. So Samuel went and he lay down. Again, the Lord called, Samuel. And Samuel got up, went over to Eli and said, here I am. You called me. My son. Eli said, I didn't call. Go back and lie down. Now, Samuel, here's a very key verse that we missed, because most of us know this story. Now, Samuel did not yet know the Lord. This was a PK. This is a priest kid. He was dedicated by his mother to the Lord. I mean, he, he was literally there before the Ark of the Covenant, serving God. He knew all of the ancient texts. He was told all of the stories. He lived in the, 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 the yeah, the, the sanctuary, the, the temple. He lived there. He served there. He was a church kid. He was serving. He was learning. He could quote the word of God, but he didn't know the Lord. He didn't have a revelation of who the Lord was. He didn't have a relationship. He knew all about God, but he didn't have a relationship with God. He didn't know the Lord. Because the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. Now he knew the word, but it hadn't been revealed to him. Like, you could just unpack this for the next year. This is a problem with the condition of the church in the United States of America. They know the word, but it hasn't been revealed. If it had been revealed, we would be living a whole lot differently, wouldn't we? We know it, but we don't really know it. That revelation, that experience hasn't come to pass yet. This is a boy who actively served the Lord in the sanctuary. He was raised by a priest who interceded between God and man for God's people. He knew the written word. He knew the spoken word, but he didn't personally know the Lord. He didn't have a relationship, and I could go on and on and on. He heard, he heard, literal, he heard a literal audible voice, and he thought that it was Eli. I wish that God would speak to me through that, you know, just... Steve, what's up? You know, I wish I had that audible voice. That's not how God chooses to speak to me most often, you know. But this is interesting. God literally, in an audible voice, speaks to him, and he thinks it's Eli. He's very familiar with Eli's voice. Why would he? There's so much to unpack here that I just can't unpack this morning. The heavenly father spoke to Eli, and he heard his earthly father, you know. It's so powerful there whole lot of sermons in Revelation that can be unpacked from that. That's for another time. In any case, the literal voice of God was something familiar to Samuel. He just didn't realize it. He didn't recognize it. He could hear the voice of God, but he wasn't discerning that it was God's voice. He thought it was Eli's voice. You hear the voice of God. You just may not have been trained yet how to discern it. You think it's your thoughts, but it's actually God's voice speaking. You think what did I call it the other day? A deja vu. <laughs> you know, we come up with all these mystical Eastern, you know, things. No, it was this Holy Spirit, you know, bringing a vision. <laughs> Literally, you know, like, yeah, anyways, go on and on and on. Lots more discernment training. It's coming down the road throughout this series. We're just going to see the, the tip of the iceberg here this morning. A third time. Now I should go into that, yeah. We hear the audible voice of God all the time. We all do. If you put your faith in Jesus, you hear the voice of God. You just don't know how to discern it, how to distinguish it. We think it's our own thoughts. We think it's an imagination. We think all these different things. We just don't, haven't been trained to perceive God's voice, 
to understand it. We're always hearing, always seeing, but not perceiving, not understanding, not discerning. And that's what we're going to be trained to do throughout this series. But something changed a third time. A third time, the Lord called Samuel. Samuel got up, went to Eli. This time, Eli said, here I am, you called me. I'm reading this all wrong, I'm sorry. A third time, the Lord called Samuel. Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. Eli realized, he realized that the Lord was calling the boy, so Eli told Samuel. He trained his son how to respond to the voice of God. All that Samuel needed was a little bit of training. Eli's like, oh, this is what's going on. No, 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 it's not me you're hearing, it's the Lord. So here's what you need to do. Go lie down. If he calls you again, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. He just received this simple training on how to discern and respond to the voice of the Lord calling. And then he went back to wait on him. Trust me, Samuel did not go back and fall asleep and start snoring. Samuel went back. This time he was eagerly expecting, and he could not wait to hear the voice of the Lord, because now he knew it was the Lord, not Eli. Now he knew how to respond to it. It's exciting when you know how to respond to the voice of the Lord, respond to his calling. Now that Samuel is seeking after the Lord, waiting on him with eager expectation, we call that hope, he was called personally by name again. But this time the Lord showed up in an even greater way than just a distant voice because he was eagerly seeking after him. And again, there's a whole lot of sermons and I just, I would love to dig into this further, but we're going to say that for another time. In verse 10, the Lord came. God wasn't calling off in some far voice, Samuel, the Lord came and stood before him. What does James say? You seek, you draw near to the Lord, the Lord will draw near to you. You seek, Jesus said, you will find me when you seek me. Ask, seek, knock, and I'll answer, right? Who's the one that has to move? Now Samuel did the same thing he had always been doing. Understand this. He went to his bed and he laid down. He didn't do anything differently, but his attitude was different. His mindset was different. His perception was different. He was tuned in now. He, he was that radio. He had that SIM card. He was like, okay, now I'm ready to receive it. Speak, Lord. And, and since the Lord knew Samuel was ready, he showed up in, in, in a greater way. He literally stood by his bed. We need to get more excited about this. Like the Lord, like Jesus stood by his bedside. And he said the same thing. Samuel. <laughs> wow. In fact, Read verse 10. The Lord just didn't cry out, Samuel. He was like, Samuel, Samuel. Like, you get it now. Yeah. And then he went on. And he's like, bad things are going to happen to your family anyways. We skip ahead for right now. To, to, he, Samuel said, speak, your servant is listening. We skip to verse 19 just for time's sake. The Lord was with Samuel as he grew up. Relationship. They grew up together. They grew up together. And the Lord let none of Samuel's words fall to the ground. Do you think every one of Samuel's words was the Lord's words? I don't think it would have been written this way if that was the case. 
But there was a relationship, there was an honoring, there was a grace, there was a mercy that as Samuel was learning to walk in the Spirit and to be led by the voice of God, God chose to not let any of Samuel's words fall. This is so cool. And in verse 20, it says, All of Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, recognized that Samuel was attested as a prophet of the Lord. Do you see this? Everybody recognized. What was God doing? The reason that God let none of Samuel's words fall to the ground wasn't because Samuel was a perfect person and he was prophesying perfectly and discerning perfectly. He let none of his words fall to the ground because of who he was, a prophet of the Lord, because of his positioning with God. Becky shared that at the beginning of the year, positioning ourselves correctly, that, that analogy of the ocean. You're either going to get destroyed by it or you're going to have some fun in it. It all depends on how you're positioning yourself. Right? You're either going to be walking in fear, like you're going to die and get swept away by the ocean, or you're going to have fun and you're like, oh, here comes a big one. Hey guys, here comes a big one, because that's me with the kids. And I'm like, woo, you know? And then I disappear for a little bit. And I'm not scared, I'm having fun, you know? <laughs> I like ball myself up and let the waves carry me into the shore, and then I pop up. I'm like, yeah, I love the ocean, it's fun. Anyways, we're mixed as a family about the ocean. That's what the... the Positioning ourselves is so critically important. Then the Lord continued to appear at Shiloh, and there, there, he revealed himself to Samuel whoop, through his word. Through his word. Do you see the importance of the word? The word, the word, the word, the word, the word. So critically important that we get ourselves in the word. That's how you learn to discern and perceive the Word of God because it's certain. I don't have to test the Word of God. I test everything by the Word of God. It is, it is inerrant. It is perfect. It, it is the, the revelation of God. Now, it was written by dudes, right? It was written by people, but it was written under the inspiration of the Spirit. They wrote in their own words, in their own style. John was a poetic guy. James was a, listen here, man, this is how it is guy. God didn't change their personalities. He didn't pose as his people. He inspired his people. He created you. They're unique on purpose for a purpose. He's not going to steal your uniquity away, if that's the correct word for that. But he's going to use your uniqueness for his purposes. You're going to fulfill your life purpose. He's going to speak to you in a unique way. One of the greatest tools that we have available to discern the voice of God is being familiar with his written word. Samuel didn't recognize God's voice because the word had not yet been revealed to him. He knew and he could quote the, the literal written word of God and the spoken word passed down through generations. But there's a huge difference between knowledge and revelation. Listen to uh, the message on the 8th about that. I'm not going to preach it again. Even as Samuel grew up, both spiritually and naturally, God used his written word to reveal himself to Samuel. But it wasn't just plain words written on, you know, ancient text. It was through a relationship. Since Samuel had a relationship with God, his word came to life. God's word is a living word, right? Alive and active. Woo, good stuff. All right, um, God still chooses to reveal himself to us through his written word. It's not the only way, but it is 
the way, the number one way, the most important way, we have to get familiar with the Word of God. God still actively speaks to us. That's the Greek word rhema, right? He still actively speaks the way that I'm speaking to you now. But his rhema spoken word through the Holy Spirit will never, ever, ever, ever contradict the logos, the written word. It will never contradict it. God is not a liar. He doesn't speak and then change his mind and all these other things. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so you, you can learn how to distinguish and to hear his rhema spoken voice through the logos, the written word. You know the character of God, the heart of God. You know how he speaks, how he moves, which is rarely the same way twice, but you get to know how he does it. Um, and for, the, for time's sake, turn ahead to John chapter 10. John chapter 10. And so we're going to jump ahead here now, New Testament. And God's the same yesterday and forever, so it doesn't really change much. God still wants to speak to his people if we just seek him, listen to him. Jesus gives us another analogy about perceiving God's voice quite a while before cell phones and radio waves were ever revealed. And in John chapter 10, Jesus says this. And I'm reading from the New Living Translation just for fun because it's not as boring as reading from the same translation all the time. I tell you the truth. Anyone, this is Jesus speaking. I tell you the truth. Anyone who sneaks over the wall of a sheepfold rather than going through the gate, he must surely be a thief or a robber, right? If you come over to my house and you see someone climbing through the window, what's the first thing you're going to assume? Someone's breaking into Steve's house. He didn't go through the door, right? It's no different. But the one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him. The sheep recognize his voice. They come to him. He calls his own sheep by name. Samuel, Samuel, he knows your name. Plus, we got another name in heaven. It's written on this white rock, and I can't wait to find out what it is, but revelation. But he calls you by name. He leads you out personally. And it says here in verse 4, after he has gathered in his own flock, he walks ahead of them, and they follow him because they know his voice. They won't follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from them because they don't know his voice. In verse 6, those who heard Jesus use this illustration, guess what? So they were like, oh, I get it. That is so cool. Now I understand it. Whoa. No, what did they say? I don't get it. <laughs> Literally, that's what it says in verse 6. Those who heard Jesus use this illustration, they had no clue what he meant. They, they did not understand what he was saying. So he explained it to them. If you don't understand what God is saying to you, just tell him, I don't understand it. I'm not getting it. You're not going to surprise him by that. He already knows it. He wants to bring revelation. He wants to bring understanding. He is not a mystical God that gives you a bunch of mysteries without the understanding of them, right? Understanding. So he explained them. I tell you the truth. I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me were thieves and robbers, because there are a lot of people who claim to be the Messiah. All those people, thieves and robbers. If you don't believe that many people came before him, just read about after he died. What did the, 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 uh, the court come together and say? You know what? This person came, and they had a bunch of followers. This person came, they had a bunch of followers. You know what? If Jesus is just another one of these fakes, 
then it's going to fade away. Just let it go. But if this thing, if Jesus is the Messiah, you're only going to find yourself fighting against God. You will not be able to stop it. Yeah. So Jesus said, all those other dudes, liars, thieves, robbers. I am the gate. He said, the true sheep, they didn't listen to them. Yes, I am the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved. Another way that Jesus put it is, I am the way, the truth, the life, right? I'm it. There's no other way to heaven. It's through me. One gate. Heaven's got walls. Heaven's got gates, by the way, okay? It's 12 of them, but we'll go into that another time. Those who come in through me will be saved. They will come and go freely. They'll find good pastures. The thief's purpose, we say it all the time here at New Hope, we remind ourselves what the thief comes to do, to kill, steal, and destroy. Jesus said, my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life, a life abundant in other translations, true life in other translations, right? Jesus said in verse 11, I am the good shepherd. So he's both the gate and the shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. A hired hand, they'll run when a wolf comes. He'll abandon the sheep because they don't belong to him. He isn't their shepherd. There's a, a lot of hired people in the church in the United States, isn't them? There are a lot of people who make a career out of ministry. But what happens when the enemy comes in to steal, kill, and destroy? Things are getting hard. Whoop, later, you know, <laughs> grass is green over there, gone. <sighs> but a true shepherd, Jesus, he sacrifices his life for the sheep because he's not just a hired hand. He is their shepherd. He will willingly lay down his life. It says, so when the hired hand is overseeing the flock, the wolf attacks them and scatters them. The hired hand runs away because he's only working for the money and he really doesn't care about the sheep. In verse 14, he says, I am, Jesus is speaking here, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and they know me. Relationship. They don't just know his word, they know his voice. They have a relationship with him. They know the shepherd, and, and the shepherd knows them. Just as my father knows me, and I know the father, so I will sacrifice my life for the sheep. Jesus said in verse 16, I have other sheep too. They're not of the sheepfold. I must bring them in also. They will listen to my voice. There will be one flock with one shepherd. And guess who Jesus was talking about there? You and me. I firmly believe it. And the Gentiles. I mean, I'm a Gentile, by the way, but there were so many sheep that he has. In fact, he said the harvest is ripe for the taking. He just needs the workers to go out and bring them in, right? There's so many sheep, and he said in the end, in the end, you're not going to have Presbyterian, United Methodist, that Pentecostal, this Pentecostal, that. You're going to have one shepherd, one flock, and we are all going to be rejoicing in the kingdom, right? <laughs> yeah, we're all one body. I'm sorry. Yeah, he's going to bring them in. Okay, there's only one way, one truth, one life. That is Jesus. He is the good shepherd. He is the gate, the only way to be saved. Those who accept his salvation and follow him are his sheep. And he takes great, great care of us. Now, throughout this whole pandemic, the term sheep, aren't they cute little buggers? We can get some sheep, can't we? Um, chickens, goats, 
anyways. <laughs> the term sheep has taken on a really negative connotation in our, um, in, our, in, our, in our culture, right? It really has, you know. Sheep are ones that just, ah, and they just blindly follow, don't question anything, and they're led to the slaughter, you know. Actually, the Bible used that analogy for the young man and that really provocative woman, you know. It's, it's, Solomon saw that, and he's like, dude, you're like a sheep being led to the slaughter, you know. It has a bad connotation that you are one that doesn't, you know, seek after truth. To be a sheep is to blindly follow someone with blinders on to sacrifice all of your self-identity to fully conform to some selfish dictator who only cares about themselves. Power, authority, money, right? They only care about their own best interests. They ignore truth. They ignore evidence that, that, that uh, contradicts anything that their shepherd is telling them, right? And there's a lot of sheep that need to wake up in our country for sure. But when Jesus likens us to a sheep, it's not the way the world has defined a sheep. Jesus' definition of us being a sheep is one who exercises their free will willingly. They willingly choose to follow. It's not that they sacrifice their free will. They exercise their free will. They choose to follow. Jesus, the good shepherd, he leads his sheep into truth. He welcomes questioning of that truth. He guides them into truth. And that truth can be proven through evidence. He doesn't sacrifice his sheep for his own desires. He sacrifices his life for the benefit of the sheep. He leads us beside green waters and still... Green waters? Green pastures and still waters. You do not want to drink green water, let me tell you. I spent a lot of time out in the woods. Avoid the still green water. Find yourself some mighty Russian clear water. That's what you want to be drinking. Words of life right there, but... Last time I checked, the Holy Spirit, it's not some stagnant pond or lake, is it? It is a spring, a wellspring, Woo, living water. Woo, yeah, the Lord had a purpose for sidetracking me there. But we are his sheep. We hear, we recognize. To be a sheep is to hear his voice. We will not follow the voice of a stranger. In fact, when the stranger speaks, well, there's all kinds of voices we hear, but what did Jesus say about Satan? He's like, when you speak, you speak your native language, which is lies. Lies. But Satan quoted the word of God. Oh, 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 oh. Through theology for Luke. But why did he use the word of God? What was his motive? To trip up Jesus and to get him to fulfill his promise, but in a way that the Lord had not chosen right? To take shortcuts. Life isn't easy. God cares more about you as his child to grow and develop and to mature in your character and to bear the fruits of the Spirit just as much as he cares about the gifts of the Spirit. You know this as a parent. You allow your child to go through some hard things sometimes because you know it's what's best for them. You don't want to put your child through harm's way, but you want them to grow and mature and develop and learn some life lessons so that they make the mistakes here in the safety of your covering and protection, right? Before you're outside of that, you've got a good heavenly father, a good heavenly father. You hear his voice. You can discern it. You can recognize it from the voice of a stranger. And so for us just to believe this, <laughs> 
Because Jesus said it. If Jesus said it, it's true. We are his sheep. We hear his voice. Like, let's, let's make this declaration this morning. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I know the voice of God. Declare, I know the voice of God. It doesn't have to be in unison. Just say it. I know the voice of God. Okay, stop lying to yourself. I know the voice of God. I hear the voice of God. I see what the Father is doing. Don't let the enemy cause you to believe that you don't hear God's voice. That you can't hear God's voice. Because Jesus said, you are a sheep and you know his voice. You know his voice. That's the voice of truth declaring to you, proclaiming to you that you hear his voice. So anybody that tells you anything else, it's a lie. It's a lie. You hear his voice. You may not have been trained to discern it yet. may not have been trained to respond to it yet. But that's coming. That's coming. <sighs> Whenever I was praying about this, one last analogy of how to understand this, because we are hearing so many voices at all times. We're sitting in a very quiet sanctuary right now, and you're hearing my voice amplified, like straight into your ear holes. But I guarantee every one of us out there has other things going through our mind as well, right? None of us are that singular in focus. We're hearing all kinds of voices right now. And, and it reminded me of this. Like, man, I was so frustrated because, you know, usually when, when I go to games, like, I'm also, like, you know, reading and studying and writing, and it drives Becky crazy sometimes. But usually I'm on my phone writing the message, you know? And then we went to this game, and there was absolutely no signal whatsoever. And I'm like, why do I rely on the internet to do the work of the Lord? This doesn't make any sense. He doesn't need it, but I feel like I need it. And I just, I'm like, you know what? Forget about it. I'm not working tonight. I'm just, you know, whatever. Focus on the game. And as soon as I did that, God showed me this analogy through Bethany as she was out there playing, which is not just a beautiful picture right there, out there training. Anyways, maybe, maybe that one's a little better. I don't know. No? Okay, anyways. But, but at the game, God showed me this revelation of how this works in each of our lives. You see, Bethany knows her coach personally. She spent a lot of time, spends lots of time every week with them. She knows her coach and her coach knows her. She trusts that her coach has her best interests in mind, that wants good things for her, wants her to reach her full potential. She may question it on occasion. I may question it on occasion. But in reality, that's what they want. Because for them to have a winning team, they need each one of their players that have been entrusted to them to play at their best, right? To find the right position, to, to be trained up in that position, to be able to do it to the best of their ability. That's the only way to have a winning team is for each one to know their role and, and to know what's expected of them and to be able to get out there in the court and do it. Um, she is familiar with her coach's voice because of the intimate times that they spend together being trained as they practice. She knows the voice of her coach. At a game, there are countless voices all shouting. We've been at some games where, man, parents love to coach. We're supposed to let coaches coach. We love to coach, don't we? There are so many voices shouting all at the same time. Some of the opponents, actually, it drives me nuts too in basketball. Like, I don't know why they do this, but they get up in their face like, like, I don't know, they make all these crazy nonsense sounds trying to distract the player from doing what they're supposed to do. And I'm like, that's what demons are. 
they just, they're making a bunch of noise and they got their hands on us and, you know, they're trying to get a foothold. They're trying to trip us up. They're, they're trying to steal from us. What are we called to do? Stand firm. Ignore the devil. He'll flee, right? Um, she's got these voices from the other team wanting her to fail. She's got voices of parents thinking that they know better than the coach, don't know how to coach. But in the middle of all that chaos and the clapping and the yelling and the cheering, I have noticed that when coach speaks up, Bethany does what coach says. She's able to discern and to hear her coach's voice. And even if it doesn't make sense to her, she does what the coach tells her to do. This is the way it is in the kingdom of God. We learn to discern and to distinguish and to hear the voice of God above all the other voices and all the other noise when we have that quiet practice, when we practice the presence. That's the title of today's message, by the way. When we practice the presence. Jesus spent all kinds of time with the Father in prayer. It's not recorded anywhere. You know why? He went off alone to spend time in the Father's presence. If Jesus needed to do it, God in the flesh, full of the Spirit, how much more do we need to practice the presence of God? To be trained and equipped one-on-one, -on -one, listening to his voice. It's when we practice the presence of God that we learn to discern his voice. And then when we're out in the world and all this chaos is happening and confusion and all these voices in your head, you can discern the voice of the Lord. But the question is, how much time do we do that? How much time do we take apart just you and Jesus just you and the Lord. Getting, Jesus called it your private prayer closet. You know, if you ever watched the movie, what's the movie, the prayer one? The War Room. You know, that, that's what that's all about. Your, your private prayer closet, where just you and the Lord, where you silence out all the other voices. How much time do we spend doing that? Spending time in His Word, listening to His voice, because there's a direct correlation between that time spent and how easy it is for us to hear and to distinguish and to recognize his voice above all the others. Direct correlation. You know, and there's so many other analogies. I mean, my family, we could be at this crazy loud festival and all apart from each other. And there's all the, there's, there's music going on on stage and there's people shouting and, you know, there's all these things happening. But when I say, Megan, she hears it. Above all the other noise, all, she, she just stuck her head up and looked at me, by the way. <laughs> she put down her smartphone to look at Dad. Oh, she's doing work stuff. She started at Subway. <laughs> and, no, it's a good thing. <laughs> but think about that. Why, why is she able to quickly perceive and hear my voice and respond to it? And if I say, come here, she's going to come. Why does she trust me that much? Because I like to have fun with my kids sometimes. They, they hear and they perceive and they trust because of relationship built by spending life together, living life together, time spent alone. Whenever I go to their rooms and we have our one-on-one -on -one talks, and usually they're not easy talks, but we have those talks, you know, they learn to hear your voice, to trust your voice they learn that you have their best interests in mind, that they are truly loved. A lot of times we don't think we hear the voice of God because we don't know those facts. We don't know who we are in Christ. 
We don't know how much the Father really loves and adores us, but how much he wants to equip us. But they hear it, they discern it because of that quiet time spent together. When they're away from Becky and I, they're out there in the world and they're faced with difficult decisions, I fully believe they hear the voice of mom and dad, right? Even though we're not audibly able to speak into their ear holes, they hear my voice. I still hear the voice of my father and he passed on a couple of years ago, right? Every time, I think I've shared this many times in the church, but every time I got the scars of prayer, every time I'm using utility knife, and I slice myself open and have to go get stitches. I hear my dad saying, always cut away from yourself, you know? Why is that voice so audible in our, in our ears? Even though it's in your mind, it's in your ears. You're hearing that voice because of that quiet, intimate time and because of how many times you have heard it. What did Paul tell Timothy? Told him that he needs to Bring back to mind. He needs to recall the prophetic words spoken over him so that he may fight the fight well. Keep those voices in your minds, the voice of the Lord. I mean, I could go on and on and on and on. Megan just received her driver's license this week. Yeah. Woo. I guarantee when she's out there driving alone, she hears those words that I said over and over and over and over again. Even though I'm not in the car, she's going to hear dad's voice guiding her and directing her to safety. Keeping her on the right path, right? If we spent time in the Word of God, then the Spirit would be able to draw from that wellspring that we have placed and deposited into our spirits His Word, His voice. If we studied it and memorized it and, 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 and chewed on it, and what's the word? Um, meditated on it. Um, you know, then, then the Spirit will be able to draw out His Word at just the right time and just the right way so that you would hear His voice and follow it. it. All these things, it's no different with God. No different with God. You hear the voice of God through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit within us. We can hear, we can discern, we can perceive the voice of God clearly above all the other voices the voice of truth can pierce through them and tell you exactly what you need to hear. We can draw from that wellspring of knowledge and wisdom within us if we have deposited it by reading and studying his word. And I want to encourage you, even if you haven't, the spirit is the one who authored those words. He can still speak it to you, right? But it's much easier to discern his voice if you know what he has said before. The more of God's word that we know, the quicker we become at recognizing his voice. The more time we spend seeking the presence of God in worship, practicing his, practicing his presence, the easier it becomes to trust him and to obey, even if what he calls us to do makes no earthly sense whatsoever. And so next week, we're going to get into more practical things about how to practice the presence so that we might receive God's revelation. I wanted to get into so many things. I thought about splitting this up into two messages because I know it's going a little long, but oh, there's so much to dive into. But the takeaway from this morning, if you heard nothing else, know that you hear the voice of God. Know that you hear the voice of God. You hear it. You hear it. And you're going to be trained to discern it and to follow it. He doesn't want you to miss out on any of his revelation that he has for you. Amen. Let's eagerly, eagerly seek after it. So Jesus, 
We thank you that we are your sheep. You are a good, good shepherd. You take such good care of us. And even when you lead us through the valley of the shadow of death, we know that that path is guiding us to greener pastures, to fresher waters, to better things. So Jesus, we give you full permission to access every part of our lives. Mature us, develop our character so that we reach our full potential in you. Forgive us for using so many excuses and reasons for being divided in our attention. Forgive us for being distracted from you. We know you're speaking to us. We know you're right here with us and for us. We know your presence dwells within us through the Holy Spirit. We know that you are greater, Holy Spirit, than that pillar of cloud by day and fire by night. You're a pillar leading us from within. So Lord, we make a commitment before you today to be more intentional about practicing your presence, diving into your word, receiving your revelation, because it matters more. Matters more than the news or the games or the social media or anything else, Lord. It is life to us. Help us, Jesus, to treat it like the bread of life, to treat it like the water of living water that we would never grow thirsty again. Help us to eagerly, eagerly seek after you with all that we are because you know we can't do it on our own, Lord. <laughs> so we thank you for pursuing us, for loving us, for your grace that covers and empowers us in your name. Amen. Amen. You won't want to miss the upcoming weeks. I like practical stuff. It's going to be good. Amen? Yeah. <laughs>